Listener supported. WNYC Studios. So many white guys. So many. So many white guys. So white. How much whiteness? All over the place. God damn. Governor, welcome to another episode of So Many White Guys from WNYC Studios. I'm Phoebe Lynn Robinson, your host, with my mate, Johnny Mitch. Hello. Hello, Phoebe. <laughs> Phoebe. It's like Forrest Gump doing a British accent. <laughs> Phoebe. <laughs> Hi, Phoebe. Can you do any other sort of accent at all? I mean, I can do a more intense Minnesotan accent. <laughs> I could just go there. Hey, Phoebs, it's great to be here. You know. How about that snow? Huh? Uh, yeah, I like milk. That was spot on. I'm repping my people. I'm repping my every time I go home to the Twin Cities though, like for a long like if I'm there on a longer trip, Mm -hmm. like me saying yeah by the time I leave, I'm like, yeah. Like it just not not to say it goes away here, but it it's just it's like putting on a comfortable pair of pants. Like I'm just like ah. It's a comfortable pair of pants that you farted in a thousand times. I don't have gas, so I wouldn't know what that's like. Okay. Okay. Listen, Joni, I have to ask you a question. Mm-hmm. How was your mother's day? My mother's day. What did you do with your mum? What did I do with me mum? Well, my mom is, was in Minneapolis, whoop, so whoop. so I did give her a call, and I'm a bit of a procrastinator, so mm-hmm. there's a package waiting <sighs> to go to her in the mail. But yeah, so it was really cute. They had a nice day at home. I was just out there a couple of weeks ago. But you you got to spend time. <sighs> I did. Face-to-face time with Miss Octavia. I know. Uh, Octavia Robinson. Hey, Mom. I know you're never going to listen to this, but hey, boo. Um, yeah, I haven't spent like a Mother's Day with her in like a minute. It's been like several years. And so when I moderated my last book event with Mish in Toronto. That's, That's what I Michelle call- Obama yeah. in Toronto. <laughs> you need a translation. I feel like Toronto is going to catch on because it's so cute. It is cute. But um, when I finished moderating, Michelle was like, we're going to have like an after party for the final show in Nashville on Mother's Day. You should bring your parents. And they could come to like, you know, the book event beforehand. And I was like, oh, my God, that sounds amazing. I was like. My mom hates to travel, so this is 50-50. She might not want to do it. Oh, my God. And Mish gets it because she's like, my mom is the same way. She never wants to travel for anything. Yeah. So I FaceTimed my parents about it. And I was like, hey, guys, so I have some exciting news. You've been invited to the final show for Mother's Day. And my dad was, like, into it. And my mom was like, I think I'm going to be tired. And I'm like... (laughs) I'm like, mom. It's so wild. It's so, you know what? When I told my mom that I was going to meet yeah. Michelle Obama when we did the Two Dope Queens special, yeah. she cried. 
Yeah, that's like the normal、It's, reaction. I just love like Octavia. <laughs> every single time, I'm like, I'm like, what does your mom think about you having like HBO specials? She just seems like. Nonplussed. The thing is, like, my parents are like into it. They're just、yeah. not expressive about it, so they're kind of like always at a three. I'd say saying you might be too tired <laughs> to meet Michelle Obama. I would say you're like giving your mom a three is generous. A one. I'd say that's like a point two five. That's like that's one inch over from a dial tone. <laughs> Do you want to meet Michelle Obama?、Uh, like, <laughs> I'm amazed that your dad was able to put a ring on it. <laughs> well, the thing is, non-committal. When he first proposed, she said no. Octavia, this is classic Octavia. That's so, I mean, Octavia looks out for number one. <laughs> But so then the next day she texts it. She's like,、um, "Your father and I are gonna come to Nashville." Text me when you have all the details, and I'm like, okay, don't turn into you know Meryl Streep from The Devil Wears Prada. She's like, my assistant will be in touch. <laughs> like, happy mother. That's what's so funny though. You're like, I'm trying to do something nice for you. But they're just so like, and so they came to like the after party. Yeah. And, like, Initially, my mom was like, "We're gonna stay an hour," and I was like, "Okay, cool." And so we're heading to the after party. My mom was like, "I think it can only do like half an hour," and then like we got close, and she's like, "It might be just twenty minutes." What? <laughs> But they stay for like a little over an hour. Here's the thing about my mom. I think sometimes she's just sort of like she's playing hard to get. You know what、yeah. I mean? Has it always been that way? It's just like they. My parents are just—they're a little on the fussy side. Like、yeah. they won't admit this, but like they hate traveling. They don't like hotels. They don't like eating anyone else's cooking but their own. But they did have fun, and like they got all dressed up. And my mom wore like heels, and、Cute. she was like, she was excited. They looked great, yeah. So did they meet Michelle? They did. So we did like the.、Um, was your mom just like?、Eh. <laughs> was Octavia like? And your name is. <laughs> No, it was so cute. Like you could tell, like they were like a little, like they're a little more like on the quiet side.、Mm-hmm. They're a little more reserved. I'm very like loud and annoying.、Um, <laughs> but they were like so sweet and like talking to her, and it was like really cute. And Mish was like, you know, just being very complimentary about me, and it was just like really nice. That's so nice. Hello, everyone. I'm Michelle Obama, and on this Mother's Day weekend. I want to take a moment to honor all the mothers out there and wish you a happy Mother's Day. Okay, Joni Mitch, you know what? I'm gonna be a team player today, and I know it's time to throw to some advertisers so we can get that cash ola. So, are you happy? Is this what having a teenage daughter is like? Yes. Yes. Hey, mofos! We are back. Did you like that? I'm hot out of commercial. Mofos.、Mm-hmm. That's pretty. <laughs> Compared to some of the language on this show, that's a little extreme. 
Might have to run it by the FCC. <laughs> you know what? I live on the edge. You're so wild. I'm punk rock, baby. You're so punk. <laughs> but you know what? It's not about me and how cool I am. Crickets. What is it about, Phoebe? You're not, Joan, you're supposed to be like, what? You're so cool. Phoebe, you're so cool. <laughs> Phoebe, you're very cool. Thanks, Joni Mitch. So are you. Thank you. No less is cool. Who else is cool? Our special guest today, this episode, I'm very excited about. Guys, I got to talk to one of my closest friends in life. The hilarious, thoughtful, gorgeous, sweet, kind-hearted Michelle Buteau. I love Michelle Buteau. Just... (sighs) Just a gem. Just a gem. Listeners, you may know Michelle from a lot of her work. I first became acquainted with her as being a performer on the very first ever episode of Two Dope Queens. I was like, oh my God, this is the one. And he came to visit me in New York one time and both the cell phones were on the bed and they were exactly alike and it rang and I picked it up and this girl was on the other end. She goes, is Eric there? And I go, who this? <laughs> and she go, who this? And I go, who this? (laughs) This went on for a real long time. Because we knew who the fuck this was. She's just been killing it. It's so crazy how, like, time flies. And she is just, like, on a run right now. Like, She's on TV. She has a show coming out on BET called First Wives Club. She's doing shows on Netflix. She's in movies. She co-stars, actually, in the new Netflix movie that's coming out later this month. It's called Always Be My Maybe. The trailer just came out. It looks so funny. And it was co-written by the two other stars of the movie, Ali Wong and Randall Park. She actually plays Ali's character's best friend. How you feeling? Pregnant as hell. And I am so mad at Kate Middleton. I was driving to work this morning thinking about her taking those pictures on the hospital steps like, what, three hours after she had a baby? And she had that royal diaper on. You know she had that diaper on. I don't want you to talk about that stuff in front of the customers. Guys, aren't you intrigued? And there's even more Michelle coming your way because in addition to all the on-camera stuff that she's doing, you can also hear her on a new podcast that launches... Today, called Adulting. Now, someone I know works on that show. I wonder who that person could be. I think it's Ryan Seacrest. So, can we bring him in? Wait, wait, (laughs) wait. Listeners, you got the old classic Phoebe Robinson bait and switch. It's me. I work on adulting. I'm the editor of the show. Ooh. It's so fun. Joni Mitch, this is like a pretty big deal. Like you are just like killing the podcasting game right now. And now there's this new show coming out and I've done it before, but people who have not gone to a live tape yet, can you tell them what to expect from adulting? Yes. The show is so fun. Basically, it's Michelle Buteau and her co-host Jordan Carlos, who's this like totally amazing and hilarious stand-up comedian. And basically, they just co-host a show that's all about the trials and tribulations of being an adult. So what they do is they invite a lot of amazing guests. They invite people like Naomi McParrigan, who we love, Wyatt Senek, Jim Gaffigan, 
You, Phoebe Robinson. I did an episode? Actually, Phoebe, you're on the very first episode. (gasps) And like what I love about it, too, is that like Michelle's chemistry and interplay with people is so great. And you hear it on the show and you're going to hear it in today's interview, too. I just love you two together. Yeah, it was really cool. And the like my favorite part of this was that um, we got to record at her house. Nice. We recorded in bed. How intimate. It was intimate. I took my shoes off. I didn't fart. So cozy, though, Phoebs. It was really cute. It was like the most Brooklyn morning ever. She was eating, like, I had a green juice and she had, like, avocado toast. So Brooklyn. You're so much. You're too much. But you guys, you're going to love this interview. Here we go. Michelle Buteau. You know what, Mishy? I'm very excited that you're doing so many white guys. This is season four. I've wanted you on forever. Oh my god! It's true. I mean, we've been we've known each other. It's 2019. I want to say we met 2012 in San Francisco at what was it? The Purple Onion? No, I thought I met you for the first time at the NBC Diversity Contest at the Comedy Store in LA, like 2010. Okay. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. When you used to wear vests. <laughs> Anyways. Yeah, I want to say when I first started doing stand-up, I was wearing, like, a lot of vests. It was a lot of, like, cater waiter, very asexual. Yeah. Yeah, just, like, bad, like, off, 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 off Broadway version of Chicago. Yeah, okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> we had it coming. <laughs> um, I used to do a black shirt and jeans. Yeah. So, like, that's how everybody will take me seriously. Mm-hmm. And plus, mm-hmm. I had a really good set the first time I did it. So it was like you're, yeah, yeah. But that doesn't always work because I orgasmed the first time I had sex and I like (laughs) really tried to do the same thing. I'm just like, it's not, am I just like taking your podcast down like five different, sorry, you have questions. Let's get to it. This is great. I'm so happy we're doing this. And we're in, just to set the ambiance, we are at Michelle's (laughs) house, downstairs area, and we're doing this from bed, you guys. Yeah. So this is very cute. This is like what Hoda and Kathy Lee wanted to achieve. And we just did it without the wine. It's not wine o'clock. We're in bed together. So here's the thing. Like so many people who like Mm. know us, know us as like being like really cute, like hosting shows at Union Hall, doing like our own like comedy stuff, like FaceTiming together. But like I want people to like know the Michelle origin story. You know what I mean? So like, okay, you... um, Grew up in Jersey, but your your dad is from Haiti. Your mom is Jamaican. Can you sort of like talk about like what your childhood was like a little bit? Sure. Um, my dad is from Haiti. He speaks eight languages. He's Incredible. deaf in one ear. He is um, always the smartest person in a room, and he likes to let people know that. Uh, <laughs> my mom from Jamaica, half black, half white. Her dad's from France, and my dad went to Jamaica for like a spring break. They met and like <laughs> hit it off and. He had to come back to the States and they were pen pals for six months. And he's like, I just really want you to come to New York and, um, you know, come out on a date with me. And so my mom, you know, found a sponsor to come to America and saw my dad and was just like, this is it. This is the end. So, yes, mom from Jamaica, dad from Haiti, um, dated in New York, married in New York, eloped um, on their lunch break because she was going to be deported. And so they couldn't plan their wedding. And so my dad worked for Cigna for years and years and years. My mom's a customs broker, and they moved to Jersey to 
live that suburban life. So it was great. It was like the best of both worlds because I would go to Jamaica every summer. So that was like my island fix. And I got to see my Jamaican family. And then on the weekends, we would go to Brooklyn, you know, to see my Haitian cousins and my Jamaican cousins. I'm just like, oh. And it was really sort of just like whatever you think the shy is, like that's what it was. Mm -hmm. And then I would like go back to um, our dead end cul-de-sac in Jersey and play with like these little white girls named Lori and and Katie. And, you know, it was weird at the time it felt like because I was like well what is life um but I'm really happy my parents exposed me to a lot of stuff and I think that's also like the good thing about being the only child it's like they just put you in your back their backpack and you just go do you feel like because like I've talked to other people who are like only kids like I have older brothers so I like have like that little buddy growing up yeah like I talked to other people who are only kids and they felt like they sort of matured faster just because yeah, they were mostly to. around adults. Yeah, and, you're the yeah. third person. Yeah. And the thing is, it's like when you are the only child, like, it's just hard being your parents' everything. Mm. Um, and also, when they get older, that is hard on you as well because there's no one to sort of share that burden with. Okay, so you said something about um, being your parents' everything. Do you have, like, an example of, like, Either like growing up as a kid, like a teenager feeling that, or even like your early adulthood when you're like, all right, I really got to like have maybe that this super successful career because I'm like their only kid. In college, it was sort of just like, just finish college. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Back then, it's just like learning disabilities were not on the forefront of anybody's mind. It was just like, you're smart or you're not. You're lazy or you're not. And so I didn't even realize that there was this like more than one way to learn something. Mm -hmm. And that was never a conversation. So they always thought I was just like very bright and emotionally aware, but just like not very book smart. And so, you know, there was a lot, especially because my parents are like very book smart. Mm -hmm. So, you know, there was always just like, not like a disappointment, but definitely just like a, well, we're going to have to do it this way because Michelle can't do X, Y, and Z, you know? And so I think, um, you know, my mom, when she talks about me when I was little, it's so funny. She's just like, you were just like wildly independent. And I'm like, did I have a choice? <laughs> like, I had no choice. Yeah. She's like, at five years old, you were setting your alarm clock and making your breakfast in the morning and like setting out your clothes. I'm just like, I was. I still do that, but that's nice. <laughs> and so, you know, for me, when I was like going to graduate college, I just... I just wanted to leave. I just wanted to have my own place. Where did you go place. to school again? I went to Florida International University, which is the college you get to go to when you can't get into University of Miami. Hey, y'all. <laughs> you know, I've known you for a decade, and you're so like loving and bubbly and sweet and complex and deep and very smart. So I'm kind of like wondering like, what you were just like, Little like Michelle with like her little freckles and her curly hair <laughs> and her like big old titties as a teenager. Like what Lord. were <laughs> Lord. what were you like? So sweet, and then you went to like her big old booty. <laughs> she she was so caring and confident and quiet, but she got that booty. <laughs> she got that juicy booty. But like, what were you Just like? Off in a corner, reading, writing her poetry, then wall twerking. <laughs> <laughs> Lord have mercy. I mean, shit. That's how you get them. You like butter them up and then you drop in like a little bit of crass at the end. Fuck. <laughs> um, but what were you like as a teenager? Oh my God. Well, you know, I had this body before I was ready. Mm. So, you know. Not ready. <laughs> 
She not ready for them titties. A memoir by Michelle Buteau. <laughs> so, like, you know, if I was, I wanted to be a kid longer, but, mm-hmm. you know, I had these titties since I was 12, and it was like, ugh. You know, just sort of figuring out how to be a teenager and also be sexualized by gross men mm. was a thing that nobody wanted to explain to me. Um, so I was a bit shy and I wouldn't stand up straight because my tits were so big. And so I'd like hunch over because, you know, you're not ready for them. Yeah. And so I was like one of those quiet people. But then when you got to know me, I didn't shut up. (laughs) A lot of dancing in the mirror, a lot of like taping TRL. I would have been Debbie Gibson's video ho gladly. Um, (laughs) A lot of quiet performing. I always wanted to be in a high school play but Mm. it was like too shy wow i just can't imagine that but yeah Yeah. i think it's also like you know i talked to alana about that too because she like started developing pretty young as well and you know it's sort of like how do you think it sort of changed the way you viewed yourself when you're getting this sort of sexualized attention because you are only 12 so you're just like i'm still a kid i'm just you know like watching like my favorite shows on tv i'm hanging out with my friends but then now you have this male attention that you don't want that you can't fully process so how did that affect the way that you view yourself and how did it sort of like shape the way you grew up as a as a teenager well i mean every teenager not every i don't want to speak on Mm -hmm. behalf of all teenagers but there is that thing where you think something's wrong with you because Nobody else is going through it except for you, mm-hmm. even though a lot of people are. So it was just like, why do I have to look like this? Why do I have to have this? And it's always like the my mom always says the grass is greener when you're standing in shit. My friends who hadn't <laughs> developed. Okay, where's her book? <laughs> Curry chicken soup for the salt. Um, <laughs> so stupid. What is this? <laughs> um Yeah, I mean, I had a lot of friends in high school who had not developed yet, but they were fast. They were like, oh, I want to, like, you know, make out with this dude. I want to do this. I want to do that. And, you know, because I was so, like, body yaddy yaddy, you know, before everybody else, I'm just like, but we could still play with dolls, right? You know what I mean? Like, I just (laughs) want to hold on to it longer. And it really wasn't until I went to school in Miami where I saw women with all shapes and 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 all types of sizes and curves and this, that, and then there was like so many island people and South American people who just sort of just, you know, owned who they were and their sexuality and didn't make it a thing. And it was beautiful. And, and I couldn't be more grateful than to um, go to school in a place like South Florida. Yeah, where it was like people look like me, and I'm like, oh, okay, this is how you do it. This is how you do it. <laughs> I think that's awesome. And so I'm always like super into like how and why people get into comedy because I do think it's very, you have the people who like they really need this sort of like um, positive like energy that they get from being on stage. They get that attention that like fills something for them. For other people, like they're a little bit shyer in real life. And so like this is where they can be like really confident on stage. And I think I sort of fall into that category. Um, You know, I'm like an extroverted introvert, but I feel like you started doing stand-up shortly after 9-11. Three days. Yes. And so what I'm curious to know is 
did you always want to do comedy before that? And then 9-11 happened and you were a video editor. So you were like editing footage of that for television, for like the news. Yeah. And so did that make you be like, well, I just want to pursue my dream of doing comedy or do you just want to change your life completely? You know what? I... I didn't want to change my life completely, but mm-hmm. I was like, this 9-11 stuff is really messed up. So I wanted like some sort of release, but I never had a dream to do stand-up. I never had a dream to do stand-up. I don't know. I don't even remember what my dream was a co- uh, 20 years ago. I think it was like to be a mom and to be successful and happy in whatever that capacity was, right? Mm-hmm. So especially when so many people have told you, you can't be on TV. You can't. No one looks like you. You're too big. You're too fat. You're too light. You're too. You're trying to act too black you try, you're always like to this or not enough that so mm-hmm. i was like cool production is where it's at because every day feels like a different day and i still get to be creative but i will say um i think i got into stand-up because people told me i should do stand-up and i'm realizing now looking back on it i was just too much i needed to do stand-up because i was too much for one person mm-hmm. very intense my mind works very fast. I like to talk to people. I like to, you know, host a dinner party, but with like no dinner. You know, I like <laughs> to engage. I like to make fun of people. Um, I like to do a lot of things. I like to, you know, share stories. And I feel like my friends at a dinner party be like, bitch, we heard this story. But, you know, <laughs> I didn't even realize I had a comedic voice till like my coworkers at WNBC, like I would write emails about my day and they would forward them to other people and be like, this is so hilarious. You yeah. got to do stand up. So yeah, I guess like I had a voice and didn't even know it till mm. people told me, which is so dumb. But like, look, my Angelo didn't talk for how many years? <laughs> Not that I'm comparing myself to her, but I'm just saying like, we all have a journey and sometimes uh-huh. we just need help some, with somebody facilitating it. What? Uh, no. I know. I do turn into Tracy Morgan when I'm tired. It is not okay. And then if I'm tired and hungry, I'm like, honey, boo boo. I'm like, I want to get to me. I'm going to go to me. It's like, not okay. Stop. But I want to say you're like, you're in so many movies right now. And I'm really excited. Yeah, put me in your movie. I'll improv that shit. Make it better, bitch. Okay. I got to write a, I got to write a movie first. But when I write one, you'll be in it. Um, but I would. <laughs> I'm really excited. You know what's funny? Here's the thing about people. This is the thing people don't know about Phoebe. People just say that stuff. Like when I write a movie, I'm going to put you in it. And you're like, okay, great. Like you have a great idea. You're going to take it to Shark Tank. You're never going to do that. But the thing about Phoebe is that she will actually motherfucking do it. And it'll be like either three minutes from now or three years. And she'll be like, bitch, remember when I said I want to write that movie? He's like, no, I don't remember that. Because so many things have happened, including your farts. (laughs) Sorry. What's the question? Okay. Thank you for that ringing you endorsement. You're welcome. Like, I got to the point. <laughs> um, but I wanted to say, so you're, you're in so many movies right now. I'm really excited about this movie. You're going to be in with Ali Wong, who's also another one of my favorite funny comedians uh, called Always Be My Maybe. Yeah. It's coming out on Netflix. Always Be My Maybe. <laughs> but can you talk about that movie and like doing more movie work? You know, it's a different sort of muscle to flex because stand-up is so much like your vision, your voice, you write, you edit everything. And then with a film, you sort of have to be of service to someone else's vision. Yeah. So can you sort of talk about, like, what it's like for you? Because you're so big and so bold and so, like, you don't want to dull the edges on you because it's it's yeah. going to be counterproductive. You well, know that, what I, mean? I think that's the great thing about a good director. And, and Nanachka Khan, who directed this, you know, has been, it did like, um, don't trust the bee in apartment 23 and also, um, fresh off the boat and like a bunch of other stuff. 
when you work with comedians or comedic actors, you know, you really have to be part visionary, part director, part therapist, and like lean into, you know, what makes them shine. And Mm -hmm. she was able to do that in a way where I really haven't had that before. And that's amazing, you know, because you also, like you said before, want to serve the story, but you know, you have to put your little isms and your shine and your stank on it. And I feel like movies, much like stand up, is just like having a conversation. Like once you're in the conversation, it's great. Stand up is my story, but the movie is this person's story, and I'm more than happy to be part of your story. Anyways, um, <laughs> always be my maybe. The great thing about, and this is why I think I'm in a lot of movies right now, is because diversity matters in a way where it's just so much more than a hashtag, mm-hmm. you know. And much like you and Jess, like two dope queens, and um, you know, crazy rich Asians, you know, all these. All these people doing things that aren't straight white people, they're like, oh, executives are like, proven concepts. Okay, this is amazing. We need to like really lean into this because they just see numbers. And for us, like little little Asian kids watching this on a big screen, they're just like, I feel represented. And, you know, even like a 52-year-old black woman watching Tudor Queens is just like, thank God this has happened on HBO. Do you know what I mean? And so... I- I think for this time now, it's such a beautiful time to like just really own who you are, whatever that is, because that's the that's the only thing that will really translate, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. And I think your work, like whatever you do, whether it's like hosting, stand up, acting, um, you're always like trying to tell your truth and trying to tell your story. And I think that people audiences really connect to you because of that and i feel like now going to like your next endeavor you have like your new podcast coming out today boop, boop, boop. oh my god yes yes it's called adulting yes it's co-hosted by you and jordan carlos yeah. and it's a live show i've done it before it's super fun and you just talk about the true trials and tribulations of being an adult and make it funny and also make it relatable and and interesting and people can feel seen in it. And so I want to know, first of all, um, why did you guys decide to make a show around this theme? And maybe like what was like one of the first times you really truly realized like being an adult is hard fucking work? Oh, man. God, so many questions, girl. Well, I'm a good interviewer. <laughs> um, well, you know, Jordan, much like us, I has been a very long time um, friend in comedy. Mm-hmm. We were just hanging out after a show, just bitching about all the stuff we had to do. And I had a couple of dates booked at Union Hall, and I'm just like, I was supposed to, and you know this better than anybody, I was supposed to write, on, like, work on my material, write new material, put it up you know, work on my hour, my new hour. And I was just like, why don't we just go do our thing and like talk about adulting? Because this is crazy. You know, he was talking about taking care of two kids and a dog and like living in Bay Ridge. I'm like, oh, if far from everything else. (laughs) Um, And between like his life and then like, you know, me being uh, a person who's married, also doing the road a lot and trying to find a balance between having like a civilian type of life and dinner every night, you know, and I love to cook and it's just like, how do I do that and still go out and do these shows and stuff? And we were like, we were, we realized that we were just like in this group therapy session, but it was just the two of us. And we're like, why don't we just like apply this to stage? And we know so many great comedians and, you know, actors and, you know, I guess famous people. And, you know, 
everybody can be funny. Everybody can show up and do their job. But like, what happens when we get to sit down and have a different conversation? So really, it was just like a passion project. And then it, you know, sort of turned into this podcast, um, which is really fun because these conversations are too good just to like, you know, have them be lost in like a dank, dark room in Brooklyn somewhere. Um, So I'm really proud of it. Jordan's amazing too. He's like my favorite blurred. So I do want to like switch gears a little bit because we are on the theme of like being an adult. And yeah. I want to get a little deep if that's okay with you. Oh my God, go deep. <laughs> and so, you know, I've been like on the periphery of like your journey to motherhood. Mm-hmm. And it is truly like you're, if you're not friends with Michelle, it kind of like sucks for you because mm-hmm. to see her be a mom to her two twins, it is truly so beautiful and awesome and i'm a person who like hugely does not want to have kids and it's just like the most heartwarming and loving and tender thing and we would just have so many talks about like all the dreams and like all the things you're going to do when you become a mother and you sort of like had some struggles with it yeah i mean yeah. to say the least um god i don't even know where to start so i have a benign tumor mm-hmm. in my brain, my pituitary, which makes my body think it's pregnant. And so I take medication to shrink the tumor and then also to just have like regular levels of prolactin. I don't mean to get like a brown titty Dr. Oz on a bitch, but just to give you some black round. And <laughs> <laughs> so essentially, you know, my husband and I have been trying to get pregnant for five years and we were doing IVF and you know, after four miscarriages in two years, um, we came to the conclusion that my body is just allergic to my husband's cells. But in that time, you know, between going to the hospital three times a week to get a sonogram and your blood taken and like the the needles and this, that and the other, I'm still running around doing shows, flying to LA, doing the road, trying to be happy clown. And that's exhausting. You know, it's already exhausting to travel and you, like, love what you do and you're fine. But if you're hiding something sad and then putting on a brave face, I'm just like, Tina Turner, how you do it? It's very hard. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And so there weren't a lot of people I could talk to, which really fucked me up all the way because my whole thing is Mm truth-telling. But I'm so glad that you were one of those people, especially, you know— it it almost worked out for me to talk to you about it that because you didn't want kids mm-hmm. because sometimes my friends who have kids didn't mean to be condescending but it was just like you'll see what happens when you well maybe if you lost weight well maybe if you didn't work as much and mm. I don't need to hear that shit yuck um <laughs> but yeah I remember we went to see Erica Badu in Coney Island mm-hmm. and I was pregnant at the time. But, like, not very far along, maybe, like, seven or eight weeks. Yeah. And you were like, what are we drinking? And I was like, water. And that is weird. For And it was, like, a needle on the record. You're like, why? Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, what? And I think it was, like, the first or maybe second time. Maybe it was the first time. And I felt comfortable enough to be like, I'm pregnant. Yeah. And it was, like, so exciting. We, like, were had truly the best night ever. We had the best night. so fun. And it's also a great thing, like, hanging out with friends who don't drink a lot. <laughs> because <laughs> it wasn't like peer pressure like oh man now no pinot grigio how are we gonna enjoy tyrone <laughs> and it wasn't like that at all you were just like very on board and happy and i'm like dope so gosh i don't even know if it was a week or a couple of weeks later 
had a miscarriage and um and you were so great. You just showed up with some flowers and took me and my husband out to dinner and you're like, let's just get your mind off of shit. And like I truly never forgot it. But then it felt like every time we talked I had a miscarriage, I was like, this isn't my thing. <laughs> that you just happened to call during this very specific week (laughs) but But yeah i mean yeah you know we ended up um going with a surrogate because we had a bunch of embryos and that was also Mm -hmm. crazy and wild and i realized you know i give a lot of myself to um my job and now i need to keep something for me Mm -hmm. so i kind of just like went oh not went away but just i just had a very um quiet year last year where um yeah i'm not hanging out as much and i'm not come over my house for dinner type of person anymore but you know if my friends are still there and still pick up the phone when i call and i know that they're true blue which is you thank you that's very sweet of you but to stick on the you know whole like issue of like fertility stuff is that like a lot of times, like, when you're going through it, like, it's so stigmatized. So you feel like you can't, like, talk about it with people. And then for people who aren't going through it, it's like you have to learn how to be a friend mm-hmm. in a way. And, yeah. like, really, like, show up for another person and, like, really be there and just, like, listen. And so I guess you haven't gone through this and come out the other side with, like, two amazing, gorgeous, so beautiful. lovely twins. like Hazel and Otis. They're so cute, you guys. They're amazing. Like, what sort of advice would you give to people not only going through fertility issues, but for friends where you're like, these are some things, like, where it's like, this really, you showing up in this way, I think, will really benefit the person who's struggling through this right. process. I mean... I think this is sort of like a general rule for rule for a lot of things because people are going through shit, like mm-hmm. whether they're depressed or anxious or fertility issues, right? And so for me, it felt like every time I brought it up or people were like, why aren't you like happy or, you know, like I felt like people were uncomfortable if I wasn't happy clown for them. Mm. And so that made me just want to stay home. And if people would just let you grieve in your own way, like I still want to go out to brunch. I just don't want to be, hey, girl, hey, brown titty, let's have another mimosa. You know what I mean? Like, let me just do my thing. And when I would talk to people about it, they didn't know what to say because they've never even had this conversation before. And like the best thing you could say to somebody who was like, I just lost a baby or I really want to have a baby. I don't know how to afford it. Would just say, I'm sorry. I am so sorry you're going through this. If you ever need to talk about it, you just let me know. That's all you have to say. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm not trying to get an answer for somebody. I am not trying to ask people for money. <laughs> you know, it's just just to have a hand to hold or a shoulder to lean on or, you know, someone to hug. Like, that's all you need. Also, self-care A lot of people think self-care is selfish. And if that's selfish to you, then be fucking selfish. Go get a manicure. Go get a massage. Go see a movie. Go take time for yourself. Because you're giving yourself so much to this thing that you want Mm -hmm. that it really is like another job. And, you know, who isn't tired of having two jobs or three jobs or four jobs? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, man. Like, I remember after maybe the second miscarriage, I called my mom and she was like, were you crying like in front of your husband? I'm just like, 
what the fuck does that matter? Yeah. Do you know what I mean? If I have to take a shit on the kitchen floor in front of my husband to feel better, that's what's going to happen. You know? So that too is like a thing. Oh, don't even get me started about my mom. I have to save this for therapy tomorrow. (laughs) (laughs) Adulting. Speaking of which, go to therapy. Ooh, I love that. That's really good. And so I want to just like, now that you are a mom and you're about to like have like your first like Mother's Day, Uh. like- how like how do you feel? This sounds so corny, but every day is Mother's Day for me. Oh, I love that. Yeah. I mean, every day is Christmas for me. Every day is special. And I felt that way when I first got married. Not anymore. I'm so tired of him. I'm just kidding. I love him. <laughs> we love but, husband. <laughs> but like when you find your people, your clan, your your core group, you know, I feel like I found my people. Like my husband's my person, and now my kids are my people. I'm just like, oh, shit, this is dope. You know, I got a crew. Like, I've always wanted to be a mom since I can remember. Mm-hmm. So I'm so glad that I'm afforded this opportunity to be with these little souls. I've been waiting so long to meet them. I'm just so happy. Oh, I could t- I So I texted you last night. I don't know if you got my text, but this was very... I was like, when I saw it, I was like, <gasps> and I was like freaking out in my apartment. So, okay. So, you know, you, you know, that thing that Sean McCarthy does, um, is like meet me in New York city and it's just sort of like he interviews like comedians or whatever. Yeah. And you did it in 2013. Mm-hmm. And there's this question that you asked, where do you see yourself five years from now? And then your answer was having my own show and a couple of interracial children composting in my backyard in Brooklyn. <laughs> you fucking did that. Do you not see how you spoke that into existence? Yeah. Isn't that crazy? That's insane. I don't compost anymore. It's too much work. <laughs> oh, God. Uh. You know, between picking up shit from, like, me, my dogs, my babies, is, and now it looks like the earth is taking a poo in my backyard, I'm just done. But, yeah, I mean, that's another thing, too, right? Mm-hmm. Like, if we don't remember anything from this crazy, stupid conversation that we just had in my bed, which is so much fun... <laughs> It's just like there's nothing wrong with saying what you want out loud. You know, speak that shit into fruition. Because when you say it out loud, you're really just reminding yourself that you want it. Mm -hmm. You're not even telling people. You're putting it out there for yourself. And the universe is hearing you and it's like giving you like clues or it might like push you in a certain direction that you're not even thinking about to get you to like what you actually need and yes. want, you know what I mean? So I, I am a big believer in like, say it out, do like an email with friends and do like a little sort of like, these are my intentions, do a vision board, yeah. do all that stuff because the yeah. universe is listening. I'm into it. Yeah. Well, Miss Michelle Buteau. Yes. Phoebe this Robinson. has been so fun. This has been a lot of fun. I love sitting on bed with you. Aww. Just talking, looking at your beautiful curls. Oh my God. Uh. <laughs> and congratulations on everything. I can't wait for more episodes of adulting. I can't wait for like all of the things. You're amazing. I adore you. Jesus, why didn't you give a speech at my wedding? That was so nice. Oh, you, are you guys going to do, do you think you will renew your vows? 10 years in Italy. I'll be there. Perfect. Done. Boom. Buongiorno. Does that mean good morning? Yeah. Okay. You did it. Buona notte. Buona notte. Grazie, grazie. Yeah, thank you, thank you. Yeah. Prego, prego. Prego, prego. Oh, Joni. 
had to take it there, and it got real at the end. I know. She's got a really, really powerful story. Um, so guess what, guys? This episode's over, but you know what you're about to do now? We got a little treat for you, for you listeners. It's called a trailer for a show called Adulting. That's right. Get a little sneak peek right now. I'm Michelle Buteau. Ow. And I'm Jordan Carlos. Also, ow. And we host Adulting. The newest comedy podcast from WNYC Studios, where we learn how to be adults together. Oh, my God. Jordan and I have been friends for a very Mm -hmm. long time. And we have been through a lot together. Like So many bottles of rosé. So many bottles of rosé. Hey, hey. And you left your man bag on a roof one time. I had to give it to you. Your dog stepped on my foot. Oh, God. Uh, And one thing we've learned is that adulting, it'd be hard. Yeah. We're all trying our best to pay taxes. Yes. Raise these kids. And get that rent paid on time. Plunge the toilet and, like, wash your hands right after. (laughs) And sometimes you just got to talk about it. I have a very serious daughter. We gave her this book, right? It was, it was like, Little Leaders of Color. And uh, she goes, oh, I've been meaning to read this. Uh, it's like, You're six years old. I have a pug chihuahua who's 16 and like, she woke up at like three in the morning and when she wakes up, I know she has to pee and my husband won't let me get dog diapers. So, so you know what I did? Yeah. I just put her in the bathtub. What? I was like, just pee in there. But then she ended up taking a shit. <laughs> And then we bring up some of our favorite performers to share their stories. Folks like Phoebe Robinson, Jim Gaffigan, Daniel Brooks, Ben Sinclair. And let me tell you something, honey. They got some good stories. Like this one from Wyatt Zinnack. By the time I got The Daily Show, my car had been repossessed. I had lost my apartment. I'd moved in with a friend of mine. The dog was the first to leave. Yeah, the dog dog smelled it. You know how the dog was like, "Mm, you don't don't smell like good credit. Mm." And together, we answer questions from our live audience about some of the major issues of the day. How do you stop watching Netflix? What is the amount of money where a Venmo request becomes petty? At what point is it weird for your mom to keep making your doctor's appointments? What is an acceptable amount of money to spend on pillows? (laughs) That's some adult-ass shit. It's like group therapy, as if you were, like, in Europe. You know what I mean? Just, like, better and Mm, cheaper. Right. With, like, really good biscuits, maybe stroke waffles. So join us for adulting. Join us and just, like, let's all grow the fuck up together, you know? It's time. Oh, my God. Joni, that was so dang cute and so funny. I love Vichelle and Jordan together. They have the best chemistry. So you know what, guys? Go listen to adulting. I'm in the first episode. Brown titties in the house. Uh, you too. Oh, isn't that the name of your comedy show with yeah, brown, her too? Yeah, Brown Titty Hour. Brown Titty Hour. <laughs> it's so fun. Well, Phoebe, I think it's time for the credits. Oh my gosh, you guys, listen up. I do. Here are the credits. I do this entire show myself. The end. 
I book it all. I do all the research. I write all the questions. I do all the There's editing. There's literally two people in the I control do- <laughs> room who do so much work on this show. I do all You're the sound design. You're being incredibly disrespectful. I do the sound design. Uh-huh. Can you show me some of the yes. sound design you so do? So what you do, here's yeah. what you do. You just you turn on your computer. Yeah. Duh. What, what software are you using, Phoebe? You know what? <laughs> Here's the thing, like I have Reaper, this like, Pro Tools. Uh, it's like I use Pro Tools, obviously. Uh-huh. Industry standard. Yeah, it's like the basics. And so right. you just queue up an episode. Right. Uh-huh. And then I just click in there and I'm like, oh, minute five, I want to put in like, you know, a whoopee cushion sound. So I just right click. Are you more into like shuffle mode or slip mode? You know, I am into thought mode. <laughs> Okay. You're right. You're right. Phoebe, you do do everything right? on this show. It's really impressive. Isn't it amazing that yeah. I can put together 11 episodes all by myself? It's incredible. Yeah. It's so amazing. <laughs> Just kidding, you guys. It's a whole damn team. <laughs> Let's be cute and do the credits together. Okay. We haven't done that. Are we going to try to do it at the same time? <laughs> yes. Oh my God. Okay. Okay. <clears throat> okay. On the count of three. Okay. <laughs> One, One, two, three. The So, so Many White guys, guys team includes Anne-Marie Baldonado, Joanna Salataroff, Paula Schumann, Joe Plord, Keegan Zema, Isaac Shit. Jones, Nor Wazwaz, and moi, Phoebe Robinson. Our theme song was written by a white dude and sung by a bunch of other white dudes. You can find some hot content of me and Michelle on Twitter at WNYC Studios. You can also follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Dope Queen Phoebes. And don't you forget, I'm on the road with my stand-up tour. Don't you want to see me IRL? Go to PhoebeRobinson.com. Find out where I'm going and get get yourself tickets now. See you soon. And don't forget to subscribe to Adulting. Yes. First episode's up now. Yes. And also, you guys, seriously, come see me in Fort Worth, Texas, June 4th through the 8th. It'll be really fun. Okay, bye. Bye. I gotta say that was actually pretty good. I felt like it was like chanting and yoga. It did feel like by by the end I was like, oh damn, we this can start is a therapeutic. cult. Yeah. God damn.